Hey there, I'm Evan DeWald and I'm joined by Tara Lindsley and this is Unpacked. We're unpacking life as messy people. So here, we do the things that we do the best. We tell stories and we share life with each other. Sometimes life gets big and messy and full of failure and vulnerable moments, but we believe that sharing those things together helps us all to grow. So have a listen. Make sure to like and subscribe. Hey there, Lake Ridge. It's Pastor Evan here, and uh, I just wanted to let you know that we're making some changes with the Unpacked podcast and the Lake Ridge Community Church podcast. And that is that uh, going forward, starting November 4th, the Unpacked series will only be found over on Unpacked. So we encourage you to follow us over there. You can continue to follow the Lake Ridge podcast for the sermons from Sunday morning at Lake Ridge. Again, I encourage you to do that, and thanks so much. So today on Unpacked, we get to talk to three people. We rarely interview three people at a time. So today on Unpacked, we get to and it feels like that in this conversation. Okay, so we're going to talk to a couple of my, or three yeah, of my favorite of pastors, <laughs> uh, pastor friends. Uh, they um, all pastor in Winnipeg. Uh, two of them at one church and then another one at a church plant uh, that was planted by that church. So it's, it's Eric Anderson, Cody Anderson, who happen to be brothers and work together on staff, and Gavin Jensen. Eric Anderson, Cody Anderson, who happen to be brothers and work together on staff, and Gavin Jensen. That's awesome. They're really fun. It was oh, fun to talk man, to I remember these guys when the they're in junior high. How they're feeling about things. They and I wasn't. <laughs> and you have history with them. Oh, man, I remember these Just guys how old I am? Yeah. Yeah, they seem to like to point <laughs> out my age. I think that came up a few times, actually. Just how old I am? Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. seem to like to point out my age. <laughs> It was a really good conversation, they though. They're all really awesome uh, people and willing to chat about very like, life and failures pastors. and things that they're learning. They love God, they love people, and they are servants. They, they're just total servant hearts, so it's part of why I like them so much. And um, honestly, this conversation made me miss them more, like, because we can't get together for some of our pastors' conferences. Honestly, These are three people that I look forward to seeing every year. Laughing. But then also talking about really serious things and important things. And they, they have the capacity to do both. And I love that about them. They have their own podcast. Yeah. And I've been listening to it. And they're doing this really cool thing. They it's have their good. own podcast. And you were on it. Yes, that was kind of part of the deal, wasn't it? It was like, if they were going to join us on ours, I had to join them on theirs. And you were on it. So I did do that. And it's called Bible Conversations. And they essentially just take like an insanely long passage of scripture, like five chapters of the Bible. And then they, they have a conversation about it. And they really are asking themselves kind of like three fun questions. They, they are just like, what do you hear in this? What's in this for you? What you're supposed to hear? What is it that, that maybe we as a people should be hearing in this? And um, this is my favorite one. What snack or beverage do you imagine yourself Eating or drinking while reading this particular passage, and that's oh, that's been a really fun one. So, eating or drinking while reading this particular passage, and you'll learn a bunch of stuff about the Bible. Yeah, that's awesome. We'll link it. So they just have a really that. good, humorous yes, way really of communicating a really important mm-hmm. truths about about the Bible, about people, and about how we can love each other. So, uh, it's going to be fun. So, I hope you enjoy my friends as much as I have enjoyed them over the years. Mm-hmm. And uh, and listen fun. to their podcast yeah. too. Well, I hope you enjoy. enjoy my friends as much as I have enjoyed them over the years. 
listen to that podcast too. Enjoy. I, I want to commend you on your uh, Al-Qaeda meets Martha Stewart background that you have going. <laughs> We're in like a bunker down here. Kristen actually did an Insta story from the backyard because I have a window here in front of me with bars on it because I'm in the basement. She's like, she Insta story. She's like, this is where Evan does all of his podcasts and his, and his work. And basically, I think he's making terrorist videos down there. It's like this. So first of all, thanks so much for doing this. Tell us a little bit about who you guys are and where you are and how you came to know each other. All right, I'll go. I'm Cody. I'm in a basement at Faith Covenant Church right now, currently, and this is where I, I pastor and uh, pastor community here. I've been here since 2006, and I know Eric from many, many years ago. We're brothers, and we are also serving together at this very church, and and Gavin, he's like a brother at this point. And uh, I'm trying to think, Gavin, when we would have known each other since probably two, 2000, maybe, whenever you started at college here. So um, been a long time I've known these guys. Well, yeah. Do you guys even remember each other when you were in high school, when you were in like youth group? I have some, some vague memories of Eric back. Yeah, in high school, the, the Covenant Church of Canada would do some like large scale youth events and stuff. And Eric and I are the same age, more or less. And so we would bump into each other at those events, but he was always hanging out with the cool kids. And I was, uh, I don't know, front of the bus with the rejects, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I actually remember Gavin going to, uh, to Wade Unger's farm in Norquay, Saskatchewan for uh, harvest fest, something in the fall and I remember seeing you there. That was probably my earliest. And I think your brother broke his collarbone there. Yeah, he did. We were playing like a uh, like garbage ball, garbage ball. Yeah. And my brother, who's a big fella, he had like dove or something and he ended up landing on his shoulder and he snapped his collarbone and he was just whining and crying about it. I being the not the most sympathetic brother in the world was like, you, you just get over yourself. There's girls here for us to hit on and stuff like that. Like <laughs> we have important things to do while we're at this youth event. Well, you Eric. Yeah, I have some recollections of of a little brother and and also of Gavin. <laughs> Gav, I think my memories do go back to those junior high jam, extreme impact, you know, irrelevant terms to most of you who might be listening. But these 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 events that old man Evan actually used to run as a young, very unwise and very un inexperienced youth worker um, who should probably have never been in charge of events of that scale. Um, and yet he totally was handed the keys to the car. Gavin was this gigantic, tall, gangly, he's 6'8", he's probably twice the man he was then. <laughs> yeah, we go, we go way back. We went to Bible college as well, Gavin and I, and, and I was an honorary roommate. I was one of, the, one of the kids that got put in a little shoebox by themselves with no roommate. I don't know, they just discerned that I couldn't hang out with anyone else or someone needed some alone time. They're probably right. I probably needed some alone time. Uh, I'm an Ennea 7. I saw you guys do Enneagram stuff. Yeah. So. I only have the haziest memories of like junior high jam. And I, I mean, it was, you know, I was a kid. 
But Evan, I was thinking, we know you from a long time ago, man. I remember I was just a lad, like, I don't know, seven years old, maybe. And you and Kristen were on team with Covenant Bible College at, at Covenant's Bible Camp. And Evan basically looked exactly like he looks right I now. I was going to say. Take <laughs> the gray away. Just take the gray away. The guy's aged fabulously. I, I do remember, so the wedgie was king when we went to, when we went to <laughs> camp. And in those days, you know, this is probably all stuff that's going to get edited because Evan probably wants to keep most of his job. Yeah, but like, it's like the statute of limitations on, on wedgie assaults. There was these, these, I actually had told your buddy, uh, Andy, Andy from the farm. I hadn't talked to him in years. And I told him a story I remembered about him because wedgies were just the biggest thing. And, and it was all about just the atomic wedgie, who could give the biggest wedgies. And Evan and his buddy, um, Mr. Munson, um, they, they, they designed this contraption that had ropes hanging from the rafters that would attach to the four corners of your tidy whities And they'd, they'd put little holes in it and they'd swing you back and forth. And then if, if that wasn't doing its work, they'd toss you up in the air to hope to get a little more like free fall and then hope that you'd just like really get it. And I remember I'm actually like a pretty shy person when it comes to uh, those sorts of things. And so I buddied up right with Evan. And I think I was the only one in the cabin to not get that treatment. <laughs> <laughs> okay, these are like all memories I have long since forgotten. That is so funny. And so I, I'm curious to, to jump into one of our questions here. So you guys are doing a podcast uh, on the Bible. And I am curious to know what what was the instigator to start this Bible podcast? Like, was this something you were thinking about a long time? Or was this just a pandemic thought? Or, or like, how did you come up with the idea to do a podcast? And like, really, as a whole, what are you, what are you hoping to accomplish with it? Yeah, it was, it was in response to, to the pandemic stuff. We just felt like, what is, what does it look like to create some really accessible ways for people to engage with the Bible? We knew that things like, as difficult as Sunday worship gatherings were to sort of recreate, I I actually felt like this the small group component of church was even more difficult to recreate in sort of the online era. And so we, we talked a little bit about what it looks like to help people engage with scripture, reflect a little, have opportunities to converse and stuff like that. And so, I don't know, the idea of a podcast came up as something that we could do. The three of us are friends. We felt like we could we could leverage our relationship and just the fact that we have a good time chatting together and we all like talking about the Bible. And so we thought, let's just do this. Let's just uh, sit down every week and we'll choose a selection of scripture and we'll have a few really simple, easy questions to talk about. Uh, not scholarly. It is not academic. It's connection and it's had some people have, I think, found a lot of value in it. For me, my hope, I think, as far as what we're looking for is just to have people engage with scripture, to listen to it, to hear it, to think about what it means for their own life and to realize that it is actually accessible. That's my, that's my ultimate hope, I think, for it. And personally, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember sitting actually around Gavin's table the week that things were shut down in here in Manitoba and we, we were sitting around the table, first off being like, are we going to kill each other? Like what, what happens here now that there's a pandemic and we're sitting around this table? Can we do this? And then we thought, what are we going to do now? And Gavin mentioned this idea of, I think it was you, Gavin. I think it definitely was you, but it, <laughs> of doing this podcast. And at first I was like, 
I remember you saying something like, what if we did, I think we should do like a podcast, like just talk about scripture or something. And I, I thought that sounds like rubbish to me. I don't think that's <laughs> going to work at all. <laughs> and, and it was interesting because I can remember the very first episode sitting around a round table and we didn't have really microphones set up. We had one mic in the middle that was catching all of us. And after it was finished, I was like, that wasn't actually rubbish. That was okay. I think that was a good way to engage with scripture. And I started to realize as time went on that, you know, people were engaging with this material. And on a selfish note, I find actually it's been probably more beneficial for me than even the listeners. I don't follow the analytics. I have no idea who listens to our podcast, if anybody. But I know for me, it's a good and worthwhile practice to do that. There's been weeks where I haven't really wanted to do it. Um, but when you engage with scripture, you know, there is a blessing that comes with that. So I've been thankful for it. Our moms listen. We know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> the one thing I'd add is everyone was depressed during COVID. Maybe is still depressed. Like there's just, it was, spirits were not high. And so we really came to a place where we said, whatever we are adding, it needs to be fun. It needs to be life-giving. And so we sort of, and if you've ever listened to one, they are pretty light as far as actually like engaging the scriptures. And so part of it, the, the sort of sub tag for us has been trying to take the scriptures really seriously, but ourselves not so much. I, I was already really good at not taking Eric and Cody seriously. So that part was checked off. <laughs> no, I had a chance to listen into it. I loved it. I thought it was really great. And it, and it definitely like just listening to each of you describe, you know, what you saw or what you read is really really great and i would say like if that was your goal to take the scripture seriously but not yourselves too much you you've accomplished that mm -hmm. for sure and and actually i told tara when we were when we were getting all set up to do it, i said you're gonna like this because these guys are gonna they're very authentic guys they're, they're gonna tell us the truth and um like one of the things we've been talking a lot about when we talk spiritual growth and what we were hoping for our people and what we hope for church and all that kind of stuff is like what can we do to create a safe enough environment for people to grow and the three of you are good at creating a safe environment for each other and then still also making fun of each other. And it, it's, <laughs> it's humorous and it's, it's a really awesome way to teach and learn the Bible and, and to get to know you. So I, I actually really commend you. It's really, mm -hmm. really good. I'm going to have to go back and listen to a few more. I honestly would say this too, like, um, like for us, like Tara's been saying, we should do a podcast for a couple of years. And I just been saying, no, no, no. Like, no time. No one wants to listen to us. What are we going to talk about? You know, all those kind of things. And the podcast came out of a sense of necessity to start off with. Like, well, how are we going to just engage our people in a way that's not threatening, that doesn't force them to be on Zoom for at a specific time of the day and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, how do we become more accessible? And and that was why we decided to do the podcast. Mm -hmm. And it has turned out to be one of my favorite things. Hmm. our favorite things mm -hmm. that, that we you know we work together on lots of things but this probably has been the most fun just talking to people for me I just think church is actually quite messy and the more we do a, a good job of actually just stating that we're a bunch of messy people trying to follow Jesus the more freedom people have to be themselves there hmm. and we run into trouble when we as a church pretend that we're not messy so part of what we've been trying to do at Lakeridge all along has been go no actually God would like you to be you and some days that's more put together than others that has been the thing that saved us that language of messiness so for us on Sunday mornings and all this stuff during the pandemic 
was kind of great because I was like, no, no, we're just being ourselves and we'll, we'll do what we can, our best we can to preach a good sermon and, and, and do the other elements of whatever we're trying to put in, but we're not going to perform. Go, I, I was just going to say, uh, Evan, I, I, I like that because I think the image for me that comes to mind is that when you pack, when we used to be able to fly places and you'd pack a bag and it would look really good on the outside and then you get there and you're like, oh, the shampoo spilled. I got a shampoo explosion <laughs> in here. But nobody knows, right? The outside looks great, but you got to deal with the stuff inside. And I think we kind of come uh, to a place in church where we assume we're, we're actually already are authentic. But the reality is, and I tell people this all the time, I was like, especially people that are new to church, they're like, everybody's so squeaky clean. I was like, oh, no, there's shampoo explosion, man, inside. There's stuff going on that I know about that you don't. Um, and I think maybe there's a, a, a real place for creating some space, like you said, to unpack the messiness. I mean, the problem is messiness just spills out, whether we like it or not. <laughs> That's kind of an illusion that you could actually hide it. I think for us, like having close relationship with Eric and Cody, uh, and myself, the three of us, there's there's enough space there um, where we generally love each other and care about each other, not to get all emotional or anything. But I think it because there's safety in our relationships to be genuine. It it, it I don't know. I think it starts to set a culture and a tone in our church. Like pastors are oftentimes the most phony baloney people that you can ever encounter. I think because uh, I don't know the three of us don't tolerate that much of the, of that sort of BS between each other that it it ends up shaping the way that we do ministry like for our podcast we don't we don't try to do anything we don't try to be edgy we don't even try to be vulnerable i don't think it's just like it's the fruit of good relationship there was a guy who told me at my church he's been coming for a couple of years now and uh, this was his way of affirming me a while ago was he's like you know what i like about you I know that you're a sinner. I was like, <laughs> I mean, is it that obvious? I don't know. But we know that it, we are sinners and it's it's okay because God's grace is at work in our lives and we're able to sort of like be messy with each other in a natural way. The best compliments that people can give me is when they say, no, actually, I think I, I think he's being himself. And, and there are moments when definitely being myself is hard to, for people to take. I am certain of that. So I'm kind of curious when the day comes and you know you you finally pass away and everybody's at your funeral and not the funeral. I'm not worried about the service. Uh but they're eating the funeral food afterwards, you know, like the the egg salad sandwich <laughs> and the you know the juice or whatever it is that yeah, exactly. That when they're sitting around those round tables, what are you hoping they are talking about? I don't know if I care too much about what people would say. I just hope that someone would build like a giant gold statue of me and maybe <laughs> something like surrounded by an ornate garden with Japanese foliage and a koi pond with like a string quartet that plays music 24 hours a day. It's... Just simple. Really simple. I hope people, I hope people in my life know that I cared about them. I hope they found me to per be a person who, I don't know, somehow presenced God in their life in some way. Maybe maybe it's with gentleness. Maybe it's with a sharp and timely word. Maybe it's with kindness or generosity or making them laugh. I don't know. I think, yeah, I, I haven't thought about that question too much, Evan, but when you 
you sent it to us. I, I mean, the, the, the first answer, maybe this is too much the churchy answer, but I, I, I do hope that people say that, you know, he, you could tell that he loved God well and that he, he loved us well, if this is people talking. Um, one of the goals, I think, before I die is to get to a place where people say he, he was a better listener than talker. And I think your question sort of helped me unpack a little bit of that. I, I'm not there yet. I talk too much, but I've been, every year that goes by, I've been learning. I want to be a better listener um, than I am a talker. So, Eric totally wasn't listening. He doesn't even know what the question was. <laughs> I, I, was I was just realizing that I'm going to be the one that has to pay for that, that gold statue. <laughs> <laughs> Continuing my legacy of paying for Gavin's goods and services. Mm. <laughs> you know, at first I thought of like the, there's a line about, you know, kind of a lofty life or maybe sign to that lofty. It felt lofty to me, but to, to leave the world a little better than you found it. But then I thought, ah, oh, that's just too like serious and that's not totally me. So to me, actually, Obviously, I want people to know that I love them, to have experienced it. Uh, but I think maybe more than anything, I'm a joy person. I want, I think I'd love for people to just walk away saying, that guy really enjoyed life. Like, a lot of people don't. And if, 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 if even a tiny little bit of that were to wear off on, on everyone and be like, maybe I should enjoy life a little more. Like, God has given us, yes, there's a lot of grief and there's a lot of sorrow and there's a lot of terrible things that go on as part of the messiness but in the messiness is also incredible grace and goodness and we don't like to linger there most of us yeah i want to enjoy life i want others to see a vision there of like you can tap into that Mm -hmm. i've often just said you know what i hope i don't care if people say evan had it all together and all figured out i couldn't care less uh and i don't so they won't say that Evan. yeah they won't say <laughs> there's no danger accurate thing there is no danger of them saying that evan. i i would hope that they would say if even if they said evan's evan was a mess but he he loved jesus and he let me watch well he grew and and i and i think to reiterate what you guys said to know that they were loved hmm. and i don't care if they they know that they were loved by me but to know that they're at least loved by god we are we are curious i said oh they did a bible podcast let's ask them like what do you think is the biggest we i think we could all agree that sometimes we've maybe read the bible inaccurately (laughs) like maybe even yesterday what what do you think is like big picture what do you think is the biggest misinterpretation that we've we've kind of come up with it doesn't have to be a specific story but like as a whole what's the bible supposed to be about and how have we misunderstood it my, my answer might be an out but i when i thought about it the first thing i i actually came up with in my head was the biggest misinterpretation is no interpretation and i mean that in all sincerity there are certainly better and worse ways to read the scriptures but i think the the worst interpretation is that basically people are giving up even trying when you were describing your podcast you know this this the messiness of life i mean that's the scriptures the scriptures is unpacking the messiness of life and if you actually submitted to reading the scriptures you would not find the squeaky clean christian that that doesn't exist if you read the scriptures and then that maybe the other one would just be like you know understanding the, the scriptures are not 
they're not, there's history in them, but they're not a history book. There's things that's, that are about nature and the natural world, but it's not scientific. It's not set out to be that mm-hmm. way. It's a story, um, as one of the scholars in our tradition says, it's a story that reminds us who we are. Yeah, I actually, I had a really similar thought. To, yeah, the misinterpretation thing, for what came to my mind was just, maybe in kind with what Eric said, is that like one, maybe that the Bible is boring or it's difficult to read or two, that you, that you already get it and you already know what's there. And they both end up resulting in the same thing, which is basically not reading it. The most egregious error probably in the church at this point is that we either find the Bible boring, intimidating, and so we leave it on the shelf, or we presume that there's nothing left in there for us. It's just a it's an old document that we've kind of already figured out, and so we leave it alone. I think, I don't know if this is true, but I think, even if I didn't believe a word of the Bible being true, I think I would still read it, because it's it's that compelling and that interesting to me. I, I, I am very similar to these guys. I was actually thinking that, you know, we've maybe heard this phrase is sit under the umbrella of scripture to sit under scripture and i think maybe one of the greatest misinterpretations is is to believe that our worldview what we see is is greater than scripture and so we approach scripture as if it needs to sit under us and somehow i mean this is where misinterpretations come is that our worldview is the greatest and this needs to i need to somehow find things to agree with my worldview rather than approaching scripture with humility and understanding that you know we sit under this and this story's us and um i think that like gavin said maybe if you didn't believe in 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 the scripture was true you'd still read it i don't know how many people there are like that i mean i assume that when we talk about reading scripture people that um, you know, identify as followers of Christ, as Christians, that, that that's happening a lot, that we are starting to, our worldview is becoming greater than Scripture, and we've forgotten what the worldview of Scripture is. And so we sort of have to cherry-pick things to be able to agree with our worldview. Um, and sometimes we believe that there's things that are in there that actually aren't and never were, but we actually have believed it now. We've said it in our head so many times because it's the way our worldview sees things. And so I think that you can get into a little bit of trouble there when you approach it in that way. I think it's an interesting thing. Like there's oftentimes, I think, when we mix up our tradition and even our religion and, and the scriptures, you know, and it, it is an interesting kind of a deal when you start mm-hmm. unpacking what's tradition and what's not tradition and some of those kinds of things. When we do the podcast, we, we try to talk really generally about the text we talk first about like what just catches our attention maybe it's questions we have maybe it's just like funny moments in the story or a turn of phrase or a word or a picture or an image something that just resonates with us personally but then rather than saying like what is the point of the text we we just choose to phrase it always as like what's your sense of god's invitation to the community like what might god be speaking through this text for our people which i think is very different than just like putting a particular point or a moral lesson onto the Bible uh, to just open it up to like, this is a living book that the Holy Spirit is speaking through. And we are a living people that the Holy Spirit is speaking to. That's a great point. So tell me what's a, tell me a story that shaped you. And it, it can be a biblical story. It can be just a life story, but just tell us a little bit about like uh, mm-hmm. in your own life and, and even maybe in particular, how has it shaped you in your pastoral 
life? I had, I had kind of just three things jotted down. One of them was um, from literature as Gavin was, Gavin's much more of a, a literature guy, but I think actually I was the one that turned you on to a little book called The Pearl, a little novella by, by John Steinbeck. And I won't go into it, but that it's a story uh, kind of about the allure of, of, of greed and of, of always getting more and, you know, the gap between more and enough never closes, essentially. And to me, that was that that's been a story that's kind of just like sat in the back of my imagination. Uh, from a biblical perspective, there's a story of Mark five, and it's actually a pretty like sad uh, story. But it's a, it's the a story of Jesus and the demoniac, this, this person who'd been taken over by a legion of, of demons and who the townspeople had put outside and chained him up in the tombs. And it's kind of like, it kind of, it kind of feels like a horror story kind of. And Jesus comes onto the banks of, of the shore on the other side, the wrong side of the tracks. And this person comes down and is like, you know, needs some help, obviously. And Jesus encounters this man, heals this man. And it's just, a, that's not the wily part of the story to me. The wily part of the story are the townspeople. And at one point they come and they find this man and it's very detailed, you know, sitting on the green grass. You think of like the lusciousness and of growth and he's, he's clothed and he's sane mind and the people are terrified. And I'm like, holy smokes, is that not a picture of transformation? Like, People are more freaked out of the the post transformation person than they than they were about dealing with, you know, all the issues. And again, that one just for me has has reigned supreme in terms of it can play in so many different ways. It can play at the at the human level. It can play at the level of like our, our struggle with addictions and how it's easier for us to deal, find a way, curtail, cordon them off in, in a certain part of town that nobody's able to go. But then at the very end of the story, the guy wants to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you need to stay with your people. And he kind of becomes the first evangelist. Uh, I'm a Winnipegger. A lot of people don't want to be Winnipeggers. Uh, I, at one point, was that kid that wanted to just get out of here and set sail and not come back. But I really, in my encounter of coming to know Jesus, which I did at an early age, but really kind of galvanized in, in my Bible college years. A real strong sense of just like, no, you got to go home. Go home and to your people and tell them what, what God's done for you. And then the other piece, like Cody and I both have three of four living grandparents. I'm 40 years old. I know a lot of people who are 40 don't have any grandparents. And so we've had this really long, rich relationship with our grandparents. And we have two grandpas who are nearing the end. And Cody and I are about to embark on an epic road trip to go visit them, maybe for the last time, we don't know. But I was just thinking about all the stories that they have told over the years of God's faithfulness. These were not people who had much for means. They just trusted God and things always kind of worked out. And, you know, I could tell story after story, which I won't, but they're so embedded into my life that it gives me a freedom uh, to live against the anxiety that so many people don't seem to have because I, I've seen the veracity of God showing up in the lives of my grandparents. I'll jump in. I, I... The story that that has always held me for whatever reason has been the rich rich ruler, <laughs> um, and and it's told in three of the 
different gospels here and in Luke I, I don't know there's there's a couple things about that story that strike me and I really I really especially like this story when I was younger because you know giving everything was attainable for me I didn't have a lot so it was like man this is easy um and I love that word in that story um sell everything there's something that's all in, I'm an all or nothing person and, and, and so I, I like that. I like the, um, in some ways, the finality of that. I find it interesting that what the man lacks um, is what he has. And so the interesting uh, relationship I have with that story is as my estate has grown and as uh, I, I'm no longer broke like I was when I was 20, that story gnaws on me in a different way. And I've wondered what to do with it. And I think you asked, like, should it be preached more? And it's like, I actually was more willing to preach this 15 years ago, I think, maybe than I am today, because it, it hits me in a new way. This idea of, of everything and this idea of selling the farm for God um, or for actually finding eternal life. And so that one is compelling to me, and it's the one that I always come back to, and it's not comfortable always, but I'm still very compelled by it. At different moments, in my life, different stories have struck me as the most important one for the moment. Lately, maybe a biblical story that's captured my attention is the story about Bartimaeus, who's uh, blind and he's standing along the roadside. He hears that Jesus is coming by and he starts to shout and holler uh, and he calls Jesus and he asks for mercy and people try to shush him and they tell him this is none of his business. Uh, they try to push him back into the crowd, but he shouts all the louder until Jesus uh, calls him forward. And then Jesus asks this like beautiful question about Bartimaeus's desire. Like, what do you want me to do for you? Uh, which Jesus didn't have to do. I mean, it was probably fairly obvious that Bartimaeus wanted to be healed. Uh, but I just love the fact that Jesus wants Bartimaeus to put his own desire into words that he wants that he wants the man to to locate and isolate and verbalize what it is that's happening inside of him what has caused for him to start screaming and shouting like a looney tune uh, to get Jesus attention for me in the last couple of years I think that's just been like a growing edge of awareness is like what does it look like to bring my desires to Jesus and and how willing am I to continue to come to him with a little bit of noisiness about those desires? So that for me in the last couple of years has been like just a, a important story in my life. Yeah, not to tag on to what you just said, but that, that, that is my favorite story. And it probably is the story that shapes a good deal of my pastoral like care and ministry. And, and for all the, actually for a lot of the reasons you just described, <laughs> right? The, and so when Jesus asks him what he needs, it's the definition of a dumb question. Like, it just seems like the dumbest question. Like, why would you ask? It's obvious that he would want to see. And what's fascinating about it, right, is the guy goes, yeah, I want to see. And he goes, okay, your sins are forgiven and your sight is restored. And my favorite part of that story is that Jesus doesn't require anything more of him. It, it, it really has um, changed the way I pastor and that I really do believe people need to work at identifying and naming their need you know what else is and, a good uh, story jesus turning water into wine isn't that great <laughs> jesus making buckets of wine for the party i just felt like you're bringing oh, it way down i'm there, glad Evan. I, need spoke. To... I was i was i like, could 
I was just like on the floor here. I'm like, I could see depressing. Eric squirming. My spirit has left me. <laughs> Let's talk, well, talk about drinking. Okay, wine. wait a second. Okay, take it from another seven, yeah. then, Eric. You can do hard things. Hey, um, do you do you have a story of failure that you that you're willing to share that's shaped you? I got a B once. <laughs> <laughs> once. Oh man, <laughs> I don't even know what to that say. Was, that was exclusively that. <laughs> for Gavin. It, it, it was for nobody else. Everyone else could be like, "This guy is such a whatever." Um, that was for Gavin. What I would have given for yeah, a exactly, eh? <laughs> uh, so I had two thoughts. Uh, one's an actual story, and the other was a couple years ago we did uh, a series on the seven deadly sins, and I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, I got a couple of these. Like, I'm a regular red-blooded dude. Like, lust, pride, sure, maybe those ones. Not some of those other ones, you know, envy and sloth. I'm a hardworking person, you know. I started going through the list and I was like, holy, I hit for the cycle here. Like I got every single one of these things. And then I started to think a little bit about, you know, the time that you spend with people. And I think some of your question actually was greatest failure. And then, and then something to do with how this helped has helped you. What's, what's the actual question? Yeah. How has it changed you as a past? I think, you know, for me, I've never sat with someone ever who has told me something that I thought, this was this would be beyond my capability uh, or uh, maybe that the, the specific details is like maybe I probably wouldn't have done that but I've never felt any sense with anyone that it's like this is beyond what a, a messy human being can do and I recognize that I'm a messy human being and I think in a very real way that that series was a bit of a wake-up for for me just in terms of sometimes even even when we were willing to focus on our sinfulness or our failure we like to kind of keep a light on just some of it, <laughs> not all of it. No, actually, I, I, I would jump in because, you know, Evan, when I saw that question, I was like, man, I have a great failure literally every day. And and I am so keenly aware of my own shortcomings or sin, maybe maybe to a fault. But one of the things that it's done in me as a pastor, and it's similar to what Eric said, is that I'm rarely surprised when people come talk to me about things for some of the same reasons, just saying like, I could get there too. And I think that it's helped me um, be approachable. I think it's helped put people at ease. You know when somebody's when somebody's not at ease when they tell you something um, or when you tell them something that's a little bit deeper, it puts up a weird wall. And so I, I usually have been able to go into most pastoral conversations understanding, like Gavin, that I'm a big sinner and that I fail every day in fact i have a great failure every day and and i think it does help build some connection points there and people maybe are able to like open up their messiness as you say because people desperately need places like that um for people you know henry Nowen talks about it as like you know when somebody's in the muddy water the murky water what they really need is somebody to get in that water with them right and so i think what people maybe sense um for someone like me is like oh this guy's already in there um, so it's like, we're, we're in this right now. And so I don't, I want to get better <laughs> daily. I don't want to have as many great failures, but I'm thankful for them in the pastoral call. Believe it or not. 
I can't remember if I've ever talked with you about this, Evan, but I'm actually, I am an Enneagram one type, which is sort of the perfectionist oriented person. I know that a lot of people find that hard to believe because I have lots of bad habits and I, uh, and my, my house is a disastrous mess and I, I look like a hobo and whatever, but I, there's a lot of types of Enneagram ones. Um, I, and I think, uh, I'm just like, I am obsessed with my own imperfections. And, uh, so it is really not hard for me to isolate failures. I feel like everything that comes up, even a degree short feels like a catastrophic failure in my life. Uh, but I'm learning to kind of, <laughs> I think, give myself some grace and understand that there's, uh, yeah, that there's some margin, uh, for imperfection. You know, I thought really specifically when you had asked this question about like a couple of relationships that I've had and maybe one in particular that just went completely sour and I don't know what the hell happened there. Like, I feel like I, I tried <laughs> uh, to be loving and I tried to be faithful as a friend and a companion with this person who is a part of my church, this family who is a part of my church, but it just absolutely fell apart it just absolutely fell apart that relationship and i went from having this person who felt like a brother to they were pretty damn sure i was like a complete enemy i'm sure that somehow some of that is my fault i think it does still feel mysterious like i'm not entirely sure what i should have done differently but i think that's made me maybe first of all like a little more just aware of the heartache that comes in relationships and when you when you care about people you get the bad that comes with the good. And I think that's been like a growing awareness in my life that sometimes despite your best efforts, relationships sour because there's it's, it's more than a one-way street, right? And even for my part, like I said, sometimes we screw things up without even realizing we're screwing things up. It also made me just a little more open-handed with people who who I walk with and who I care with. Like I said, Enneagram one, I could maybe have a, a, a propensity to try to like shoehorn people to what I think is the right thing that they need to do. And I think it just made me realize that I need to try less to rescue people when I, when I perceive that they're in a spot of trouble or a spot of danger and be more willing to just turn them over to God and to just, uh, to continue the best that I can to faithfully love them. But to not put, you know, every every decision that they make, every uh, choice that they make on myself as though it's my responsibility to, to govern and control whether or not they make good ones or godly ones. To just sort of like hold people in front of God in prayer with compassion, um, with hope and with humility and, and trust that God actually knows how to draw people to himself and how to create holiness and peace and love and joy in their life uh, better than I do. Even if I think I'm pretty good at it, I, I do not, I do not see from the same vantage as God. So one of the things I would say for me that I would put in the fail category is more of a theme. And uh, you guys know this, you're all pastors. So you all know this, we, we carry a whole lot of stories around with us of other people's stories around with us. And the weight of those stories can get can get quite heavy at times. And I think that 
for me, um, a big part of that is believing that I can carry all of the stories of everyone and it won't affect me. Mm. I'll be able to just carry them with ease and and be able to help in every one of those situations and scenarios and, and only to discover, right, that, that that's not humanly possible and that at some point, in my attempt to care for everyone, I I didn't do a, a good job of caring for anyone, starting with me at the top of the list. And so I and then and then as a as a as a true seven, I didn't tell anyone. It, uh, sevens like it's an interesting thing about sevens, right? Is that in a lot of ways we feel like we got to be the life of the party, or we got to we got to bring the energy to the room, and and when the energy we bring is dark, everybody's like. Oh, like he must be, it must be really terrible. Like Evan just told a terrible story. And if he's telling it, it's got to be bad, you know? And it's like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then everybody freaks out and thinks they have to take care of you, which of course I don't want. You, you have this weird tension that, that you want to help everybody. And then just like every person who's a growing human being, you realize you can't do that for everybody. And, and honestly, I think the person who ends up paying for that most is, you it's me you know have i missed anything what have we missed um what have we missed oh one question i did want to ask all of you is um you all have really interesting and unique perspectives on being like authentic and being able to show up as yourselves and that seems to be how you care for people in your communities how did you come to that like how have you has that been a long journey to discover that you need to show up as yourself so other people you can care for other people uh, I'm a god awful liar. I think is part of it. I have absolutely <laughs> zero poker face in life, and so I don't know that I would be any good at doing it any other way. There's maybe something in me that's like, I just I have such a distaste for, um, for people who who strike me as being phony, and I, I'm trying to edit myself here. I really hate being lied to. And so I think maybe out of that, I, I try, I don't even really try it. (laughs) I think it's like, I'm compelled to, to live honestly. I like that question. It's a good question. Yeah, no, I, I have two thoughts. One, I tip my hat to my community. I, not every church is like this, but our community, lets us be us. They let Eric be Eric. And that's for better, for worse, and for ugly, and all in between. And I think in some ways there's a brilliance to it because then they also know that the other side of the deal is I, I should let them be them. So that, that would be my first thought is I give the credit to the community. The second piece is that I mentioned, I never wanted to be a pastor. So I'm not trying to protect myself for a job. Honestly, there's been points in my life where if I got fired, it would be a great courtesy. And so it does give you a little more freedom, like anything that you hold so tight. It's just been a, it's been a weird grace gift that I've been able to hold it loosely because I never really wanted it. And so what's it to lose? But in, in actually holding it loosely, I think God's been able to fill over and over again in a really healthy way. Yeah. 
I, I think for me, it comes naturally. Like I, I, I haven't actually read tons on the Enneagram, but I do know that four is one of the, one of the key components is authenticity. Right. And I can, I can actually feel it in a conversation and pastors do this when you meet new people. Sometimes you slide into like professional pastor mode and you say things that I'll catch myself being like, that's not actually me. Why did I do that? And, and I, I think that it's something that I, I don't expect of other people, but I try and draw it out of other people because I, I want to know, like, if I'm sensing some, some bull, I want to like get past that because I, I assume people don't want that either. I think some some of the people get stuck in that road. Um, but for sure, for me, it's, it's just a, it seems to be like an inner sense of like, no, this, I must do this. Like for me, the temptation, if I was the temptation to not be authentic or to lie, it would be to give people the impression that I'm smarter than I am. Cause I actually don't feel that way that like, that is one of those probably childhood wounds. You know, we started out making jokes about it, but that probably is one of the childhood wounds I have is that I don't, I don't actually feel like I'm competent to do what I'm doing. But, but to be honest with you, there, there was a point in my, in my pastoral ministry, but even just in my life in general, where I was kind of like, if I can't just start asking the questions that I have about God, about myself, about the world, then, then it's all fake and it's not worth it. And for me, it, it actually did come around the death of a friend, you know, in my 20s, early 20s, where I was just like, it kind of took me into a pretty dark place for a couple of years where I was being a pastor, being a youth pastor. This was literally when I was leading junior high jam and you knew me, just like we started this conversation, where I was going, I just don't know if there's a God. And I remember I went into Rob's office, my mentor at the time, right, and, and colleague in ministry, and I was like, I have to quit. Because two years I've been teaching Bible studies and I'm not even sure I believe any of this stuff is true. And so I'm going to have to, I think I'm just going to be done. And I remember him, he, he was always really, he was a spiritual director kind of guy, right? And well, he still is, he's not dead. <laughs> so he, and he is still very much like this. He was like, well, if you're going to quit anyways, for being fake, because you think you're being a hypocrite and you're being fake, then what do you have to lose by just choosing to be you? and uh it was really interesting because i ended up you know probably three months later <laughs> three months later i ended up preaching a sermon going so i've been reading the bible i mean this whole life of jesus thing and i don't know if jesus is real in fact it's possible that when i die it'll just be dark but i've been watching how he lived his life and actually like if i lived a life following jesus it might have might be still a life I'd be proud of. As weird as that, like, so kind of what you're saying, Eric, right? Like, mm -hmm. they let me be me. You were, you were also exceedingly low paid. And so finding a replacement would be exceptionally difficult. <laughs> <laughs> but what was so fascinating about it was then all of a sudden, I decided that's how I was going to pastor for the rest of my days. Anyways. Hey, I sure appreciate you guys' time that you've shared some really good things mm -hmm. um, and demonstrated the heart of a pastor and, and a heart of a follower of Jesus, more importantly. To be honest with you, more than anything, I appreciate who you guys are and how you have led. And, and I know that I'm a little bit older than you, but I do not think that I am somebody to look up to, but that I, I get a chance to watch you guys pastor and pastor well. Thanks, man. Hey, thanks for joining us. We'd love we don't think you're someone to look up to either. Anyways, you guys have done well at serving your people and being Again, yourselves doing it. And I think God, I think God loves that about you. Love you, Evan. 
There's the feels. There's the feels, Evan. We love you, man. Man, thanks for, yeah, thanks for inviting us here. This has been awesome. Thanks for your time, guys. <laughs> Bye. Hey, Bye. thanks a lot, you guys. See ya.